1400 WDWS Champaign Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at WDWS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the program. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock this morning. Mr. Tate is in the house. Here's truly Steve Kelly with you. The phone line's open, 217-356-9397. Some light rain in Midtown uh, Champaign this morning and throughout the area. The rain causing a time change for today's Illinois baseball game in Bloomington, Indiana. It was scheduled for 1 o'clock. It will be played at 5 o'clock. Had a little lightning delay in the Illinois-Indiana game last night, and the Hoosiers end up winning that with some lightning of their own or some yeah. thunder of their own after that. 6-4 to four was the Yeah, they hit four home runs against Illinois, and that uh, the last one did it. The Illini baseball team, 8-11 and 11 on the uh, season now. They play again, as I mentioned, at 5 o'clock. There was a no-hitter in Major League Baseball late last night in San Diego. Joe Musgrove pitched the first no-hitter in San Diego Padre history. 52 years, 8,205 games the Padres have played without a no-hitter. <laughs> That's a lot of games, isn't it? He hit one batter in the fourth inning. And that kept him from having a perfect game. He had no walks and no hits and just one hit batsman. That was just his second start. I hope, I hope that guy didn't put his elbow over the plate like I saw the other day. Well, he, he may have. I don't know. But no, that that no, does I, happen. Well, I know. But if, if, you're, if you put it over the plate and you get hit, that's a strike. Yeah. <laughs> you can't call that a hit batsman. The Cardinals, Cubs, and White Sox were all off yesterday for that uh, early season schedule goof around they do there where they play a day then take a day off in case it rains and usually that day that they don't play it it's beautiful and the next day they have to play it rains and that truth uh, cardinals play the brewers today at 115 the cubs are at pittsburgh at 535 the white Sox against kansas city at 110 cardinals are five and two the cubs are four and three the white Sox are four and four on the season. Now, you can explain this, I know, but the Cardinals had an opener, and they always want to save the next day, I guess, in case the opener has problems. They right. could have played yesterday. You know, where they can play today, we'll see. But yeah. this, they did the same thing in the in the other op- in their road opener. Yep, and the uh, the White Sox, uh, Pittsburgh did it with the Cubs, and yeah. and the White Sox did it as well. So, so they evidently just feel like they have to have that, uh, that day just in case, because normally you have a really big uh, turnout, but in this case... They really don't need to do that, Steve. I don't know why they don't just play the games and then, you know, play them Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then keep Sunday, make Sunday a travel day or whatever, or the day that you could play the game. Yeah. Well, I agree with you. I, th- I think we got the best idea. <laughs> We've got plenty of uh, guests for uh, you this morning, and we'll tell you about that as we move along. We're going to move on and get started with our leadoff batter. That would be Brad Underwood, Illinois basketball coach. Good morning, Coach. How are you? Good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you doing? We're hanging in there. Are you a baseball fan? Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm just really disappointed that you guys don't cover the Royals and you know, <laughs> talking about their season opener and talking about their, you know, their, their positive start to the season. We're still in contention. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's an important thing to, uh, 
to be at this point of the season. You know, you're eight, ten games in, and 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 the Royals aren't out of it yet. <laughs> yeah, everybody's in it at this point. <laughs> That's good. All all the fan bases are happy uh, at least for the moment. What we want to know is, are you in it for next season? That's what we want to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Tell us, tell us about uh, Fraser and, and your discussion with him, and and, and Trent's uh, obviously keeping his options open. I guess he's. Did you uh, you probably encouraged him to get an agent that's that's approved by the NCA, which doesn't take him out of returning or playing somewhere else uh, as an amateur. Explain that. Yeah, you know, it's just it's 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 all about gathering information, and I think that's what you know, especially upperclassmen. Trent's been here four years, and and. Uh, you know, just assess his situation and what that looks like. Uh, you know, it's, it, the structure is set up today where where these young guys can hire an agent and, and, and have potential workouts, and uh, we don't know what that's going to look like quite yet, but uh, really put themselves in a position to, uh, to find out where they're at, you know, when it comes to the next level stuff and, and still retain eligibility and, and – uh, you know that's that's really all this thing becomes, and and we're going to see more and more of that as as we continue to move forward. Young guys that you know are talented, and or young guys who uh, you know get toward the end of their career. Uh, we've got a nice luxury this year because those guys get their year back, and uh, and could come back for a fifth. So you know you've got a possibility of of even continuing to enhance your status, uh, but. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of complications out there, Lauren. Uh, you know, the the world is kind of turned upside down yes, in is. terms of the basketball. Um, you know, a lot of leagues in Europe got were very very late getting started or not playing. Um, so you know, it, it, it's it's just about gathering information and letting him see where he's at. When you speak about enhancing status, boy, some people. Really, I thought Mitchell of, of uh, enhancing status in the tournament in, in the March Madness and those final games that people like Mitchell of, Bayton, of Baylor really moved up. And I, I thought that UCLA had a player that moved up. I just thought that it was interesting to see how the draft now looks different all of a sudden. I know you can't talk about the draft, but the draft changes uh, with, this, uh, with the play that, was, uh, that we saw in the tournament. Oh, there's no doubt. It's always been that way. The NCAA tournament is the is is the is the measuring stick, and for a lot of people, and you can, uh, you know, I go back a few years ago, Divincenzo from Villanova, uh, you know, never started. Uh, you know, I saw a deal the other day, and have gotten some calls because we played Baylor. Now, I I thought Davion Mitchell was was really really good when we played him in December, so it shouldn't be a shock that he's somewhere in the top ten, but. You know, uh, Mitchell Mayer off that team, you know, was a 16, 18-minute-a-game guy, and, and, and I I fielded a couple questions about him, you know, playing against him. And, uh, again, that tournament is uh, is a measuring stick for a lot of people. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a time when a lot of general managers, it's the first time they see guys. And uh, so, yeah, it can, uh, it can, it can vault your career uh, playing on that stage a, a great deal. Talking to Brad Underwood, uh, Georgie Bashanasvili made a decision uh, this week as well. I, I'm sure every case is different, and his is kind of uh, unique, I guess, with uh, uh, being a foreign-born player and, and such. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, him and what not only what he plans to do, but uh, what he's meant to the program. Yeah, you know, I think, I think it's, 
you know, Georgie will Georgie will go play professional basketball, and, and he's got he's got a nice uh, I say advantage uh, because he's got an international passport uh, from the country of Georgia. Uh, they they you know they like to keep uh, you know Europeans have a, have a great opportunity to make it. He's definitely good enough. Uh, so you know I think that uh, uh, he's he's taken that opportunity and and can run with it and and really start to to help himself, help his family in terms of, uh, you know, potential income uh, to do that. But yeah, he's been phenomenal. He's had a, he's had an unbelievable three years with us, uh, you know, got started, uh, you know, in our, really in our first year of our rebuild, uh, so to speak. And, you know, he had a great year. Uh, he handled the transition with Kofi wonderfully. Uh, you know, we don't win the Big Ten championship without him in that game. But just his 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 emotion, his his energy, his IQ, uh, his IQ goes very understated in terms of his his feel for the game on the on the court. But Georgie was a guy that you know appreciated everything. He didn't take anything for granted here. Uh, that was his upbringing, and uh, you know he's uh, uh, he's a guy that we wish nothing but the best, and will always be an Illini. You mentioned Kofi, and earlier you mentioned information gathering. I'm guessing those two uh, two names go together there, don't they? Uh, at the, again, this year for Kofi. Yeah, you know we'll see. I, you know, I think that uh, uh, you know you you've got uh, uh, you've got a new set of standards for him. You know that that was, that were different than last year. You know, he improved his game. He improved in certain areas, and you just want to go see how how all of that uh, is translated and 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 looked upon by you know by the next level guys. And and uh, you know, so yeah, I would expect uh, uh, the same type of information, and and you know, possibly being into to some workouts and uh, you know, being able to uh, you know let people see him firsthand. So. Uh, we'll see as that process plays out, and we've, we've got some dates uh, that the NBA has set, but we don't have anything on workouts yet. Well, I was going to ask you about that. Do you don't know what types of workouts we'll have or, or when they will be? <clears throat> I mean, obviously they have to be, I guess, uh, well, uh, Ju- July 19th is a withdrawal date if you if you enter. The enter date, I guess, is May 30th. You, know, you have to declare by then? Yes, and... You know, we're hearing all sorts of things. I think you know one of the things that uh, uh, that I know we're trying to do with all of our athletes is is get them double vaccinated. Um, I, you know, we've heard such things that you know you can't you, there'll be no workouts if you don't have a vaccine. Hmm. Um, so, you know, getting guys through that process and and uh, uh, as we move forward. So I think there's a lot of things that are still on the table that we that we don't know. And uh, we'll just have to take take a lot of those things, you know, as as, as they come to us. Uh, explain one thing for me. I don't fully understand the players who might have already transferred want to transfer again. Uh, as I read the rule, it says first time transfers. But what if you are a graduate? Does that mean that you could transfer a second time and be immediately eligible? Yes. Okay. Yes. The graduate. The graduation basically. Um, will will allow you to do that again. Okay. So it, it's it's a uh, 
uh, to say it's the Wild West right now, Lauren, is an understatement. But yeah. yeah, we're we're all we're all trying to figure out how to reevaluate um, the recruiting model that we've known for, for really for quite some time, and uh, most of my coaching life anyway. Yeah. And it's going to look completely it's going to look completely different. And uh, you know, we're, we all have to figure in you know academic responsibilities at, at each institution. We have to figure in graduation rates, which the way this thing's looking right now, you know, I don't know how we do that. Uh, you know, you've got 720 plus athletes in the portal that are upperclassmen. Oh, really? And uh, you, uh, and you mean so graduates you or just upperclassmen? Uh, juniors or above. Mm-hmm. And and so you know when you start looking at at getting those athletes graduated at institutions. They may have one year of eligibility. They may have two years of eligibility. They may be a grad. Uh, so you start running into some challenges with that. But uh, it's <clears throat> it's complicated. It's not as simple as just go on the portal and get somebody. You know, it's not it's not like that. So I saw a uh, name. We're in, all trying to, I saw a name in there today right. that just stopped me. Jalen Coleman Lance. <laughs> What is this? His eighth year? What? Seven. It would be his seventh. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. It is Come four, on. Fourth school. Oh if, man! If he yeah. does that, <laughs> you know, and it's it's just a um, you know they 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 get the year back, uh, which you know I think there's a lot of um, you know it, kids can go play again and and so it's uh, yeah you know we we're seeing it all you know, in, in, in this year's portal. And, and so it's uh, it's not surprising. As coaches, have you guys talked uh, formally at all about a better way to do it or what you would like to see done in the future? <laughs> all the time. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, um, you know, we, it's a, it's a, it's a challenge. I think, it, I think, um, uh, we understand, or I've I've taken the approach that uh, you know, kind of the toothpaste is out of the tube, and uh, you know I, I don't know how we get it back in um, with this, and and I think it will take it a while to settle in. I think you know you you start looking every time there's a, a something like this happens, there's always a, a list of things that happen that are unplanned for, and. You know, you've got institutions around the country that, that require, you know, certain amount of hours at your own institution to graduate, and, and you've got others who don't, and you've got others who can get anybody in, and you've got others who can't. And, and so you're, you know, there's some unintended consequences that we'll have to deal with. But, uh, you know, do I think it's going away? No, I do not. We've got kind of a rainy day forecast here in central Illinois. Is it a a good day for you to look back at the uh, Loyola tape, or have you done that yet? Not a chance <laughs> in heck that that's going to happen today. <laughs> that's got to be that one. That one's got to be about uh, uh, about a about a Fourth of July uh, look for me. I I just uh, haven't uh, haven't got there yet. Isn't it interesting in in life, not just work, but You've got things you know you're going to do and you want to do, but you find all kinds of reasons not to do it, <laughs> to put it off. Yeah, I just, you know, it it, it was, um, you know, it was tough. It was that, you know, that one's that one's hard. And I traditionally don't look at the last game 
Uh, I've watched the Drexel game. Uh, you know, the, the sad commentary is we didn't play very good in that game. And uh, But it, it was uh, – uh, I'll look at the last one sometime this summer and and when I start processing right now, you know, everything's been the portal and recruiting and, and um, you know, the challenges of that. So we'll, uh, we'll find time. Well, I need to ask you about Adam Miller. Uh, it sounds like um, he's uh, going to look around, but is, is there still any uh, possibility, a possibility that he might return? And would you be open to that? Are you open when a player gets in the portal to uh, be willing to take them back or not? No, I think you. I think you keep every item on the menu open. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think you have to look at every item, and and I think you have to 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 be open. I think that's the one thing that is has been uh, uh, presented to all of us coaches today. Uh, I think we have to understand that guys are going to put their name in the draft. Guys are going to look. Guys are going to gather information. Um, and uh, you know, when it comes to putting a roster together it is literally going to be season by season you know i think we're all sitting out there and and wondering you know will we ever sign a freshman again and and what what's the value in that um i think there's there's a ton of that going on right now when we could all take upperclassmen and then they can't transfer again um i think there's uh, you know you've got a you've got a menu that's got a lot of different things on it right now and and i think we would be um remiss if we didn't keep every option open and keep looking at them. Well, let me say just one thing. You know what's going to be the next thing that you don't like that's going to happen? They're going to let guys transfer another time because we saw what happened here. We thought there would never be a time when they could just transfer and be immediately eligible without at least going through some waiver process. I can see them going through a waiver process for the second transfer now, and I can see the waiver people just dropping their pants the same way they did the last time. What do you well, think? Well, Lauren, just think about yeah, think about this scenario. Think think about the coach who takes another job and and or gets fired. Mm-hmm. And all the players in that program uh, say they've got seven, eight, nine transfers, we're two or three years in it, and they've got eight or nine transfers in their program. Uh, those coaches probably had a lot to do with getting those student athletes there. And, and, and there's a reason, that style of play, that system. Those kids can't transfer. You don't think that won't cause some problems? So that scenario is going to happen. And, uh, you know, I, I, feel, I feel bad this year for the, for the student-athletes that that situation has happened. So uh, it'll all get challenged. And, uh, you know, like I said, there's, there's a lot of consequences that are unintended that are – going to pop up as this moves forward well the main thing right now is you've got to wait till july before we we've got to wait till july but you you may know but we we won't know until july or august whether you've got a basketball team this season or not exactly who you've got at least on that team yeah you know it's it's amazing how how things have changed you know you used to sign two or three kids in the fall and and be done and you knew what your team was and you could start planning and and uh uh, you know, really diving into, you know, making your team better from an X and O standpoint and start putting pieces of the puzzle together and, and, and conducting workouts and, and, um, and, and, and growing. And, you know, those situations are obviously not going to happen. And, and uh, you know, I hope at some point we put a, a date 
on this where kids can't transfer after a certain date. Um, you know, and uh, we'll see. But uh, we'll see what happens. If they, if they do after that date, they've got to sit. But I, I don't know. We'll, uh, you know, we'll just have to, we'll have to adjust. And, you know, it can't be worse than last year. You know, I had no idea whether I or Kofi were coming back and didn't know what my team was going to look like and, until all that process was done. Can't let you go without t- talking a little more about Io and the fact that he made it official earlier this week and what he's meant to this program. It'd be nice to find a, another Io guy, uh, and I know you're always looking for that, but it kind of made me a little bit depressed when, when you said you, you know, it may get to a point where you're not taking freshmen anymore. That'd be sad. Well, you've got to find the right. You know, I think the one thing that, that I can tell everybody is we're not going to jeopardize character uh, in our program. Character wins. And, and no one had greater character than Io. And, uh, you know, you start thinking about all the decisions that young guy had to make in his career. I mean, we were losing. I mean, first of all, coming to a program that, that had not won and, and believing in us. And, uh, you know, then we had not won and after his first year, and it was a tough first year. I mean, there was a lot of learning for Io. And, uh, you know, sticks with it. You know, says no to the draft you know, continues to get better, continues to improve, add weight, gain, gain athleticism, work on his game. Um, you know, and then last year, you know, with COVID and not being able to play on the, in the, in the NCAA tournament, not being able to grow, not being able to, um, you know, see his full potential on that stage. And, and then, you know, he comes back and obviously just continued to, to, you know, have a phenomenal season, first team All-American, um, but you know, it's a testament to his character, it's a testament to his, his uh, you know, making the right decisions, um, and his, you know, and his commitment to Illinois, and and that will never, uh, will never lose sight of that, and uh, you know, and I don't know what is it, four months, he'll be a multimillionaire, and all that will pay off for him, and and um, you know, I'm, I'm, I couldn't be more happy for for a young guy because he's just a terrific person, but a guy that worked and deserves everything, everything he's got coming to him. Hey, Brad, we appreciate your time. As always, good to talk with you and uh, hope you enjoy the weekend. Thanks, guys. Enjoy yeah, it. Thank I'm you. looking forward to the time we can see you personally just once. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I get, are, you st- are you still the same person you were? <laughs> I haven't seen you for a while. I'm, I, Lauren, all I want to do is get you on the golf course and take a little bit of your money. <laughs> I'd just pay you but beforehand because it would be a <laughs> foregone conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks Enjoy, again, Brad. Guys. Thank you. Mm. Bye-bye. Well, bye-bye. Live basketball coach Brad Underwood. Need to take a break at 923. Back with more. In just a moment, stay with us. Nine twenty-five, and I fellow Saturday sports talk with Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven is the phone number. Open line segment briefly here, if you'd like to jump in. I'm going to tell you about the rest of our guest lineup this morning. Coming up shortly, Barry Alvarez, the retiring AD at the University of Wisconsin will join us. Speaking of retiring, Illinois wrestling coach Jim Heffernan announced on Thursday that he is stepping down and will enjoy the fruits of retirement. And we'll talk to him about 945. In the second hour, Jerry Colangelo was also retiring <laughs> uh, from uh, at least some of the things that he does. will join us at 10 o'clock. And then 
the lone guest who is not retiring is uh, Roger Powell Jr., the lone guest remaining on the show, the Gonzaga assistant coach, and who will join us at about 1030. So that's the uh, lineup. We told you about Illinois baseball losing a 6-4 to decision to Indiana on the road. Illinois softball also on the road wins. Another shutout, Mr. Tate, for the softball Sydney, team. Sydney Sickles. They will play a doubleheader in Lincoln today. Illinois wins four to nothing. Men's golf team, nationally ranked, is scheduled to play. Haven't looked to see if they've teed off yet, but they're scheduled to play in the Boilermaker Invitational today and tomorrow over at Purdue. But there's some, uh, they're getting some of this kind of weather too. But they'll play through this as long as there's no thunder and lightning. Men's tennis team continues on a roll. You see where they've uh, divided the, the league into two divisions, just like football? I did. And they've uh, uh, earned a share, at least, of the Western Division, which is the same divi- the same seven yeah. te- teams that are in, the, in football. 11th straight win for Brad Dancer's team, who is uh, ranked number nine in the country. They beat Iowa 5-2, to two, and they will play at Nebraska tomorrow. Tennis team is 15-2 and two on the season and 12-1. and one. Problem is that the really good teams in the league are, are, I mean, there are two really good teams in the league in, in Ohio State and Michigan every year, and that they're in the other division, thankfully, but ultimately you've got to get past them. You do. 12-1 and one in the Big Ten. The women's tennis team lost to uh, Michigan State at home. 4-3 to three was the final there. And the ladies' tennis team plays at Purdue on Sunday. They're 6-8. and eight on the season. Soccer on Thursday night played in the early rounds of the Big Ten tournament, kind of a Big Ten uh, regional, they call it, and uh, lost at home to Iowa 2-1. to one. Yep. So their season is wrapped up at 6-5-1. and one. Some of the high school football scores from uh, last night, Unity beat St. Joe Ogden 48-16. to 16. Oakwood over Salt Fork 28-22. Arcola 28. Atwood Hammond, Arthur Lovington 10. Muhammad Seymour over Charleston, 35-3. Normal Community, 31. Danville, 14. Fisher, 49. Ridgeview, Lexington, 14. Tuscola beat Warrensburg Latham, 19-16. Bismarck Henning, Rossville Alvin, 49. Havana, 22. And Paxson Buckley Loda over Dwight, 31-28. One other basketball note on the women's side of things. Nancy Faye uh, has lost some players. Now she's lost an assistant coach as Scott Merritt, who was only here one year. He, uh, you basketball fans might remember him. He played at Marquette. But uh, he has left to go to Wisconsin as an assistant coach. So they've got some holes to fill there on the coaching staff and uh, the roster. Yeah, she's already added one uh, from Michigan State, a transfer. Right. I, know, I know that, but... Uh, there are, there are a lot of women in the uh, transfer portal, just like there are in, in, in the men's side, but not as many, but a lot. And uh, earlier um, this week, and Brad, uh, we couldn't talk to Brad Underwood about this, but he got a verbal commitment from A.J. Store. He's a 2022 uh, basketball recruit, native of the, the uh, state of Illinois originally. He's playing in Arizona now, and he had a, a game last night where he had 23 points and 9 or 10 rebounds in a uh, basketball game, AAU game. We talked about uh, Trent Frazier keeping the door at least maybe open to, to returning. Or, you know, there, there's other leagues. You know, Brad talked about uh, Georgie playing in Europe. There's a, a Puerto Rican league that's pretty strong that uh, I hear has an interest in Trent Frazier, and they have a draft as well. 
They're probably more familiar with those Florida players, aren't they? They, they probably are. So those are some of the things going on. Then we'll talk more baseball a little bit later on. But the Cardinals, Cubs, and White Sox um, did not uh, play yesterday. They will play today. The Cardinals against the Brewers. The Cubs are in Pittsburgh against the Pirates. And the White Sox are at home against Kansas City. So that is baseball. Cardinals, as frustrating as they are to watch sometimes. They sure strike out a lot. They're they're five and two on the season. So yep. You take that out of the gate, I guess. They won some close ones, and they got a big home run from Arenado in their home opener that uh, kind of had everybody jumping up and down. And he hit a ninth inning, I believe. It was the eighth inning. It lasted the eighth. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just needed to get three outs to win it, and they did. First pitch uh, home run for Nolan Arenado. Going to talk some uh, college athletics now. This is uh, Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. And Barry Alvarez joins us on the telephone the athletic director at the University of Wisconsin, who announced uh, this week that uh, he is officially retiring. And Barry, good to have you on the show. How are you doing? I'm great, guys. How are you? Good. We want to talk to you about several things. And we're going to start out with uh, a football uh, observation we'd like to have from you on uh, the Illinois hiring of one of your guys, Brett Bielma. Your thoughts on that? I know that uh, you were in uh, pretty uh, full support of, of him getting this job, but uh, give us your thoughts. Well, I'm excited for Brett, and I'm excited for Illinois. You've got someone that that knows how to win in the Big Ten, someone knows how to recruit in the Big Ten, understands that the first thing you have to do is, is win your state, win over the high school coaches in your state, keep your good players at home. Um, he and his wife, Jan, will be a part of that community. And, and give back to that community. You'll get to know them very well. Um, you know, Lauren called me about, you know, about one of my guys. I said, the guy you need to go after is Brett. Mm-hmm. That's the guy for your job. Yeah. So uh, I'm excited for him, and I'm excited for Illinois, and I, I'll guarantee you he'll do a great job for you. Yeah, we had uh, we were looking in the wrong direction right off the beginning, I think, at some other college coaches. And, uh, and Brett, uh, you mentioned that to me, and – and uh, then we had a pretty good idea that this might be a possibility, although uh, we, we didn't know what Josh Whitman was going to do. But Josh, is, uh, he did his due diligence and, and uh, he checked up on, uh, you know, with, uh, with, with previous places. And I, did, did he actually talk to you, Barry? Yeah, I'll tell you a good story. So um, Brett calls me. I, I, I remember it was a Sunday morning. I'm sitting there reading, having a cup of coffee, reading the Sunday paper. Brett calls me and and asks if I would call Josh, and we visited a little while and and uh, I, I swear I hung up and it wasn't a minute. And my phone rang and it was Josh, <laughs> and he he's asking about there were were a few other guys he was looking at, mm-hmm. and two of them had had ties with me, and and he either worked for me, played for me, uh, and that type of thing. And I said, I, I tell you, Josh, what the guy you need to look at is Brett. And I, I talked him through it and I gave him Brett's number and, and, uh, you know, things went from there. What was, uh, when you go back to, to the, you named him to succeed you as the head coach at Wisconsin, when you did that, what were your thoughts about that? What, uh, why, why did you pick him over any other people that you might've had on your staff? I, I really liked his charisma. I loved the way the players responded to him. You know, he came in um, as my coordinator, and there were a number of guys on my staff that had been with me 
for a long period of time. He managed those things, you know, and, and, and fit in right away. Um, I just felt like he was going to be a good head coach. And, uh, you know, he was enthusiastic. He always wanted to learn, had a million questions. And I, I just felt he was the right guy for the job at the time. What were the circumstances on him leaving and going to Arkansas? Why did he do that? <laughs> you have to ask him that. <laughs> it, it, it was it was a surprise to me. Actually, he and I were supposed to have dinner in New York that Sunday, and uh, I didn't hear from him. Um, and then Monday, he called me. Said, I, "I'm going to come up to your room. I need to visit with you." And he had he had talked to Arkansas. Um, you have to ask him that, but uh, you know. I was upset at the time how he went about it. I think he, you know, he has since said, you know, he would, he would have done things differently. Um, but life's too short. He, he and I were too close. He, he was like a son to me when he was here. And, and, uh, you know, so we've buried the hatchet and, and that, that, that's behind us now. Well, you know, he's, uh, he's been pretty secretive about what he's doing on the field, and there's a perfectly good reason. I understand it. I think Steve does, too. When you're playing Nebraska in the first game early and uh, they don't know what you're going to do, why should you tell them? And uh, that's been basically his approach. So we're not going to really know a lot about this team until we see him on the field. But they are going to have a spring game, Barry, but I would say it will be what you call vanilla. <laughs> we won't know yeah. what, you know. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's becoming more and more uh, prevalent, isn't it? That coaches will keep their uh, keep their practices private. And what what was your uh, at the end of your career? Were you still opening practices? No, uh, you know what? Um, I had this convers I had a conversation with our media my first year, and uh, they wanted to know if I'd open practice. And I said, let me ask you one question: If we're practicing and and uh, on on Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, my starting quarterback uh, twists his ankle or goes down. Are you going to report that? They said yes. Then I said, "Well, we will close practice then." Yeah, I'm not going to give a scouting report during the week or or give somebody an advantage uh, of what we're doing. I'm just not going to do it. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it's nice to be able to report on it, but you know, the reporters will be able to get him after the meeting. He just won't be able to see it. It's you can't give a scouting report out. That's just that's just bad business. Talking to Barry Alvarez, who is retiring. What did you did you think? Uh, okay, I guided the program through a pandemic. I've I've seen everything there is to see. Is that how did that figure into your retirement? Well, I was planning on retiring last January, after the football season, after the bowl game, uh, stepping down. But you know, I, I talked to the chancellor and, and told her I, I just didn't think it was fair. To ask somebody come in, somebody, someone to come in, and take the program over during the pandemic, and and so I told her I would stay um, in, until we got towards the tail end of it. I think hopefully we'll get back to close to normal next year, and um, got some things to do. Got some young grandkids I want to I want to follow and watch them grow. My wife Cindy and I want to do some travel. So, you know, I'm 74 years old. It's time to, time to pass the baton. Do you, uh, with your athletic director hat still on, do you see fans in the stands for Big Ten football coming up in the fall? Well, you know what? We, we've already made the announcement and made the decision that that'll be a, you know, a county-by-county county decision. Nebraska's already said they're going to have up to 50000 for their spring game. 
you know, hopefully majorities, uh, majority of the schools in the Big Ten will be able to open up the, you know, it will be to the point where uh, we can have the majority of our fans back in the stands. I hope so. Have you got any suggestions uh, as to your successor? Are you going to give us any uh, tips on that? Well, I, you know what? I, I, I tried. I feel like my job, you know, I, I try to have somebody prepared and, uh, and do, yet I'm not going to uh, beat the drum about it. Uh, I think everyone knows, uh, you know, it's, it's well documented that, that my deputy is, I think he's ready. Uh, yet our chancellors decide I'm not going to be a part of the decision-making. Uh, I'm not going to be part of the decision-making, but uh, um, we've, got a, we've got a good co- committee, and uh, she's going to have them present some candidates, and she'll make the final decision. Well, I, I would say that uh, while you say you're not going to be part of it, I think by the mere suggestion, anybody's got a statue out there can have a, make a suggestion, right? And they're going to listen to it pretty well, I would think. But we'll see about that. Anything else you want to add before we let you go, Barry? Are you, you're down in Florida now, right? Yeah, I just got here. I flew down here last night. I'll be down here for my wife, Cindy, and I are out, uh, will celebrate our 53rd anniversary this week and uh so i'll spend a few days down here before i head back well barry congratulations on uh, the anniversary congratulations on uh, the upcoming retirement and and a great career at the university of wisconsin all right thanks guys good talking to you hey thanks barry you bet barry alvarez our guest here at uh, 9 40 we'll take a break and be back with more and i might pedal saturday sports talk after this stay with us Nine forty-four, Illini Pellas Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly, and we are with you until eleven o'clock this morning. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven is the phone number if you'd like to uh, join in. We just had retiring Wisconsin Athletic Director Barry Alvarez on with us for a few minutes. This is kind of a retirement show, Lauren. This morning, in a way, we've got uh, Jim Heffernan now, the longtime Illinois wrestling coach, on the line with us, and. Uh, Heff announced on Thursday he is retiring after 29 years with the Illinois program. Good morning, Jim, and congratulations. How are you? Good morning. Thanks. Uh, I'm doing well. When I talked to Lauren, I'll tell you this. When I talked to Jim yesterday, I said, you you got a couple of minutes on Saturday morning? He goes, what else am I going to do? I got all kinds of... (laughs) (laughs) We're we're glad you worked us in, but uh, talk a little bit about uh, the decision, Jim, and how you came to it, and maybe how long you've been thinking about it. Um, yeah, the schedule isn't real busy today, so <laughs> good timing. Um, so really the reason is this, you know, it, it, to do this job right, to do any college coaching job right, you need a lot of energy. You know, I've been doing this 33 years, 34 years, in, in, including a graduate assistantship. And, you know, I feel like my energy is dropping, you know, and I don't think it's fair to the program and the kids if my energy level continues to drop to stay here and, and let the program slip. That's not, that's not. Um, you know, it's a selfish decision, and, and I'm not going to do that. So I just feel like it was time. You know, I'm getting worn out. Um, I, I went to Josh and Warren uh, in September and sat down and talked to them and, and actually at that time thought about retiring, frankly, in, in September. And, and uh, you know, Josh, Josh and I sat down in his office, and, and he explained to me why he thought it was important, especially with the pandemic going on and, and us not really having a lot of contact with the kids over the course of the summer. Um, 
you know, and, and, and we talked about that and why he thought it was important. And, and um, he told me, you know, 100% if this is what I wanted to do, he would support me. But he gave me the reasons why he felt like I needed to give the program five more months. And, and after those five months, he was exactly right. I think it was the right choice. I think all the things he told me were exactly correct and came true. Uh, at the end of the season, again, I, I uh, you know, mentioned it to Warren, sat down and talked to Josh, um, talked to those guys actually on more than one occasion about this whole thing and, and just started talking about the timing and when we were going to be able to make the announcement. But it, it's been going for, for a few months. Well, I think it, it takes a lot to um... – to determine for yourself when the right time might be, and and to get some outside input is certainly a, a wise thing to do as well. But uh, you know, a lot of people, a lot of uh, guys in sports, maybe go longer than they should, and I think that that was a keen observation on your part to to, to look inward on on that decision. Well, I think so, and I appreciate you saying that because the reality is this: is that. You know, I, I've been I've been lucky enough to be at one place in, in, for 29 years. Right in, in the coaching profession, that's really unusual, and and it's been good to me. The university's been good to me. I think I've contributed to the university. I think I've contributed to the success of the program. But at the end of the day, you know, that's my life's work, and that's how I'm going to be judged. And I want to make sure I do the right thing for the program. That that's the most important thing. And interestingly enough, it was on this date, April 10th. 1992, that Mark Johnson came to the U of I. Is that right? And yep. uh, you, uh, you guys had a lot of fun working together, didn't you? We did, you know. And I think, um, you know, Mark and I, I think think the same a lot about wrestling, but I think we're different people, and I think that's why it worked. You know, he he's a fiery guy, and he's more kind of a, you know, in your face, intense, and and you know, I've kind of been more of the laid back type of guy that can take a kid over and talk to him. And, you know, and I, I think Mark was a great motivator. He got guys excited. He was a great recruiter. And, and I think our roles were, they just fit and it worked. Um, you know, we had a lot of the same philosophy in terms of, um, you know, how to do things and how to build a program. And, and we got things turned around here pretty quick, um, honestly. And, and, um, yeah, it, it was a blast, you know, and and the thing is, and, and, you know, Mark and I have talked about this, the fun part is getting good. Like when you come over, you, you come to Illinois, the program was struggling, you know. We got good, and the fun part is building it. You know, the hard part is staying there and staying competitive because you become almost a victim of your own success. The better you do, the higher the expectations are, right? And, you know, I remember um, – you know, a lot of years where we're getting seven days, ninth in the NCAA tournament, and and on Monday, it felt like the world was ending. We were so depressed. You know, what I mean, it was so the expectations grew really quick. Um, but but those those were a lot of fun days. You mentioned you and Mark Johnson, uh, how close of friends you are, and how different you are. And I can attest to that. I'm afraid of Mark Johnson. He <laughs> <laughs> yeah, took you down, didn't he? <laughs> I turn around and go the other way when I see him coming. I never felt that way with you. I, I, I know I wouldn't mess with you either, but I, I made the mistake and and playfully messed with him one time, and I, I was on my back yeah. before I knew it. Yeah, not a, not a smart thing. <laughs> well, what are your thoughts about your successor? Do you have any 
thoughts on that? Do you have any input? Uh, do you want any? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, this this has been, you know, 29 years of my life, you know, and I've, I've spent more than half my life at the University of Illinois. I've talked to Josh about my thoughts. Um, we were on a call with the uh, current parents of, on our roster today, and Josh did say that, that, you know, told them he would lean on me and, and, in making this decision. I do have a lot of thoughts on it. I've shared those with Josh. Um, you know, but, but this, this program is important to me. And I think, um, you know, what happens next is obviously very important as well. So, um, I'm hoping, um, yeah, I'm hoping I do have some input and I think, I think I will. Well, you know, um, the one thing that I, I feel about wrestling at Illinois is you're part of the big 10 and it just seems to me like, is there any sport, in the, that we have where the Big Ten is stronger nationally than wrestling. I mean, it's it just, this is the oh. tough part. Is I mean, I saw where Iowa won this year. They hadn't won the, am I right? They hadn't won the, the uh, Big Ten for 10 years or something like that. And yet, uh, they, they hadn't won the NCAA championships in 11 years, which, you know, for them. Oh, that was what, uh, it, yeah. And that's, yeah, yeah, that's unusual for them, isn't it? It's really unusual, you know. Um, yeah, really unusual. You know, um, when I was there, we had won the Nationals nine straight years um, up until my senior year, and we got second, and we were the most miserable failures in the history of the program. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, it sounds funny, but that was a fact. I mean, it was like, um, you know, it was a black eye for us, <laughs> frankly. But, but no, the Big Ten, you can't compare it to anything. You can't in wrestling. Um, you know, and people, well, where they – SEC of wrestling were this and, you know, conferences will have certain years, but mm-hmm. we're talking, you know, a 40 year span where the big 10 has dominated the national wrestling tournament. And that's indisputable. I mean, it's been, it's been incredible. What, do, why do you think that is? Why, why the SEC, for instance, is really good in football or, you know, we have yeah. different sports or where, where conferences seem to emphasize. Why has the, the big 10 been so good? Well, I think, you know, and I, I blame it on my college coach, Coach Gable. It's his fault. <laughs> he, built this, he built this big power in Iowa City. And, and you have two choices. You, you either try to get better and beat them and compete with them, or you sit at the bus stop and watch the bus go by, right? So I, I think from that perspective, especially in conference, Coach Gable's programs and Coach Gable's coaching success led to the, the, the kind of jump the Big Ten made in, in terms of wrestling because you, you have to try to catch those guys and you have to do better. You have to coach better. You have to recruit better. You have to be better to, to, to be in the conference. Then I think, you know, Alabama's a standard in the SEC, and I think that's why, you know, as an amateur spectator on football, I think everybody's chasing Alabama. Everyone's trying to be Alabama. Well, because they're doing that, they're all going to get better. So that's just kind of my, my two cents on it. And can you recall, I, I'm trying to recall the day when Illinois beat Iowa in a, in a um, I think it was a dual match here in Champaign. Yep. I think uh, yep. Mark was still the coach, you were assistant, am I correct? Yeah, that's correct. That's a big win for you. Was, was there ever a bigger win for Illinois uh, in, in wrestling in, in a dual meet? Uh, not in the last 29 years. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I tell you that. Um, so, you know, it's one of those, again, that's, they, they're the standard. 
right? And they were the standard at that time. And I think, um, you know, there's a lot that went into that. Mark coached at Iowa. I went to Iowa. Um, you know, and, and again, from our perspective, you know, there's a lot of really good teams in the Big Ten Conference, but they are the standard. We're trying to catch the standard. And we finally got them in the dual meet. And that was, uh, yeah, that was a huge deal. Huge deal. Another minute or so with uh, retiring Illinois wrestling coach Jim Heffernan. So what now, Jim? Do you play golf? <laughs> um, I used to. <laughs> I really don't play golf, uh, um, but but I will start playing again. I do enjoy it. Um, you know, it's one of those things. My wife and I, my, my wife will uh, retire this spring, too. She's been a practicing physical therapist for 30 years. Um, I, I think, you know, between the two of us, we've worked 63 years. We feel like we've deserved the opportunity to kind of do what we want, at least for the immediate, and then sit down and kind of decide what's next. Um, but we'll, we'll do a fair amount of traveling. My, my, uh, our oldest lives in Dublin, Ireland, and is working there with his wife. Uh, that'll be our first stop. And then, um, you know, we'll, we'll probably do some things together and then decide what's next. But. It's, you know, I, I still, uh, you know, I'll be a huge, huge fan. Um, love what, you know, you just had Brad Underwood on the show. Love what he's doing. Um, love the, the energy and excitement and enthusiasm Brett Bielema is bringing. And I feel like we're starting to get an identity at Illinois again, right? And you, you guys know more than anybody, when football and basketball are good in this town, there's, there's a, this is a great place to live. It's a great place to live. And we, I feel like we got a lot of momentum. We're starting to get more of an identity nationally, and, and, and those sports are bringing more of a spotlight here. And trust me, when I tell you, that's going to help everybody. It, it's a big deal for those things to, to, to take, the, take the lead and have success. Lifts all boats, doesn't it? Lifts them all. I'm sorry? I say it lifts all boats. It, it, oh, you better believe it. It's, uh, you know, it's funny you talked about Mark and I. I, re- I remember when we first got to Illinois, we would call a kid in New York or New Jersey or Pennsylvania, and they would literally ask us what conference we're in. And, and it's, it's, you know, because I think the visibility of those sports, everybody, anybody can turn on a, a TV on a Saturday afternoon, and if, you know, Illinois is playing football and, and you know, they got a lot of momentum or having success. People recognize that. Same thing with basketball. Um, those sports are front and center, and the more success we have in those sports, the better it is for everybody. Hey, Jim, we appreciate uh, your time as always. We've enjoyed, uh, I know I can speak for Lauren, we've enjoyed working with you over the last 29 years, and hopefully we can stay in touch and we'll see you around town. But congratulations uh, on a great job here at the U of I. Well, I appreciate it. Um, thank you very much. Okay, Jim Heffernan, retiring wrestling coach at the U of I. Listen to some of his uh, accomplishments as a wrestler, Lauren. He was a four-time All-American at Iowa, 1984-87, four-time Big Ten champion at 150 pounds. He was an NCAA champion at 150 pounds in 1986, and he's in the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, inducted in 2006. That's just some of the long line of... uh, Things he has done as a wrestler and a coach as well. Served with uh, Mark Johnson here and at Oregon State before uh, Mark Johnson came to this program. He's a good guy. 958, if you're thinking about the windows or doors for your home or business, 
I would like to suggest a trip to the Apello Window Store in Champaign, 1001 North Country Fair Drive. Their showroom has all kinds of uh, examples of things you'll find there. Uh, the beauty of wood windows, the ease, and uh, whatever else goes with the, between the glass windows, convenience of between the glass blinds, and the durability of fiberglass entry doors. The Pella experts know all about uh, what type of window a door works in each unique situation, and working with them is an easy process. They'll be there to help you along the way from picking out the products to uh, setting up plans for getting them installed. Learn more about the styles, materials, and options available. The Pella Window team has the knowledge and experience to help you find the perfect Pella product for your project. PellaofChampagne.com is their website. Their telephone number is 356-6474, and their business hours are Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, or Saturday by appointment. We're approaching the top of the hour. Hour number one of the Lonely Pella Saturday Sports Talk is in the books here on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Hour number two is coming up after this. Stay with us. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. And welcome back to the program. We are with you until... 11 o'clock this morning, as always, thanks to our first-hour guests on the uh, show. We had Brad Underwood, Illini basketball coach, to lead us off. Barry Alvarez, the Wisconsin athletic director who is retiring. And Jim Heffernan, the Illinois wrestling coach, who is also retiring. And we're happy to welcome to the program now U of I graduate and longtime uh, sports executive Jerry Colangelo joins us. Good morning, Jerry. How are you? Good morning. Nice and, to be with you. And you're kind of uh, wearing that retirement hat as well. Get us up to date on what you're doing. Well, I'm really not retired. I'm just <clears throat> moving along and passing the torch in one particular area, and that's as the director of USA Basketball and responsible for putting the Olympic team in play. And I've done that for the last 16 years. And made a decision to move on and <clears throat> give someone else an opportunity. <clears throat> Grant Hill, <clears throat> former great player in the NBA, great college player. Um, he checked all the boxes regarding uh, someone to replace me, and uh, I'm very excited for him. Uh, he was very interested in, in stepping into my position, and uh, I think there's a time in life when you need to step back and give someone else that, that opportunity. Did you enjoy that? Uh, I know that was not your main job necessarily. You have a lot of irons in the fire, but did you enjoy your 16 years doing that? Very much so, because, you know, it's one thing to represent, you know, a team or a school. Uh, and certainly <clears throat> any when you're representing your country, uh, it brings it to another level. And uh, it was challenging after the 04 Olympics where uh, the U.S. team kind of fell flat on its face. And uh, so there was a big change that needed to take place, a new culture, 
to get players to um, respect the world basketball community and vice versa, and to encourage players to be interested in representing your country on that stage. And I think we did that. You know, we've won three, three straight uh, Olympic medals in 08, 12, and 16. And hopefully <clears throat> this summer in Tokyo will be uh, a fourth. And we've won world championships and world cups. So, yes, it, it was a wonderful experience. And I hope I can finish strong with another medal this summer. Well, explain that a little more, Jerry, if you would, because the uh, the Olympics was postponed. Now they're supposed to be in Japan, in in Tokyo. Is that is that going to be able to come off without a hitch? I guess is the question. Lauren, I, I'm not sure about hitches or not, but uh, the Olympics were to be played in uh, 2020, and they were postponed. Uh, moved to 2021, and as of now, they are definitely on. And, uh, you know, <laughs> there, there's, a, there's a few changes, though, I must say, that will be interesting. Uh, only na- locals can come to the activities. There will be no foreign visitors in the stands. Mm. Um, our traveling parties have been cut to a bare minimum. We'll be operating in a bubble for about two weeks while we're there. And so um, it's not going to be a typical Olympics with all the hoopla, et cetera, and the, you know, the things that go along with the, with the responsibilities. But not this time around. It's all business. You know, we're going. We'll be in Las Vegas for two weeks, training, playing some exhibition games with countries, that are coming in, like Australia, Argentina, Nigeria, and uh, Spain. And then we go directly to Tokyo on July 19th, and I think we finished on August 8th. What's your team look like, Jerry? Uh, We don't have a team selected. We have 68 players in the pool, and we're holding out until the very last moment to make a selection and seeking help from the, not U.S. Olympic Committee, but the International Olympic Committee and giving us flexibility with COVID having an effect on the NBA season and the playoffs being extended so late into middle July. We want to have every option available to select the very best team we can. So it's going to be a late selection process this time around. Will all your players be pros, or are you, are you going to be looking at any amateurs? Um, there aren't any amateurs anymore, okay. Lauren. Okay. You know, how, <laughs> you and I have had that discussion. You know, you know, the best players in college, it seems as though many of them are one-and-dones. Um, and so when you look at the best young players in the NBA, they're guys who still had a year or two of eligibility in college. So it's kind of blended, I guess is the way I would put it. It's a gray area. Um, so you take the best players. It doesn't matter where, they're, where they are. Talk to Jerry Colangelo. While we're on the subject of players and where they come from and such, uh, are you paying attention to the college basketball landscape now and football to a degree too, but uh, the ease at which players can transfer now, there are more than 1,200 
basketball players in the transfer portal, and some of the coaches have kind of called it a wild, wild west. What What are your thoughts about that? I think that's a apropos. Um, you know, it's changed the landscape for college coaches uh, for sure. Um, you know, there was a time when you would draft, excuse me, you would select players, develop players on a college level, and, you know, very few of them go on to the pros when you really think about it. Um, but when they come into school, they all think they're going to be in the NBA. And uh, that's a little misleading. And so this portal that has been created, um, you know, matter of fact, I think most schools are, are going to rebuild every year, year by year. And rosters are being cleaned out um, year by year. That's, that's what's happening. So it's very challenging. And it puts that much more emphasis on recruiting. By the way, I think Brad uh, Underwood, who has done a great job at Illinois, is a terrific recruiter. He's always had a staff that was very strong uh, in that area. And, boy, there's going to be much more emphasis on, on recruitment for sure. Lauren and I have a group of guys that we go to lunch with uh, once a week or so. And Dave Downey joins us sometimes. And uh, Bill Small has been with us, and Bill was with us uh, this past week, and we were talking a little bit about uh, about uh, your team and your days here. What are some of your memories as a player at the U of I back in the early 60s? Well, I was kind of a, in a transition era. Um, I was one of only two sophomores that played at all um, on a team heavy with seniors, and that was Manny Jackson and Governor Vaughn's group. Um, the next year, my junior year, we had three sophomores, Downey, Small, and Burwell. And I was so sad to see that Bill passed away recently. Um, he was truly a gentle giant. That's my recollection of Bill Burwell. Um, but the privilege of playing with Dave and Bill, uh, Small and, uh, Burwell was, was, was a great experience. They were young. Uh, they got one year under their belt. I left uh, school after my graduation, and uh, um, one player was added, tell Brody to take my spot, and they won the Big Ten. So I missed out on that, but it was a great experience, and uh, I always think fondly of those days. Jerry, uh, Steve mentioned about irons in the fire. What irons do you still have in the fire? Do you still have what are your connections in Phoenix uh, uh, with uh, Grand Canyon? And I, I know that you've got uh, more irons in the fire than I realize, but just give us an idea what you're sure. still involved with. Sure. Well, I'm, I'm chairman of the Basketball Hall of Fame back in Springfield, Mass., and uh, that's a big honor. Um, I enjoy it tremendously. Um, we have two inductions coming up this summer. Uh, the 2020 induction, which would have taken place last September, will be held this year in May in a new, newly renovated uh, Hall of Fame. And I'm anxious to see the finished product. And then we have the 2021 class that will be inducted in September. So serving on the committees and being very involved in that operation uh, it keeps me very close to the heartbeat of the basketball world and so many people that I've known for so many years. 
Uh, GCU, Grand Canyon University, yes, the business school was named in my honor. I'm pretty active in that. I enjoy it. I enjoy being around young people. And Lauren, I think you know that I was asked to be a special advisor to uh, the president and on the sports uh, area, in particular basketball. So uh, I have a big involvement there, and it's fun. I have been involved in the selection of the coaches. First, Dan Marley, a former player of mine with the Suns, and uh, Bryce Drew, who in his first year this past season um, got GCU to the tournament, NCAA tournament, for the first time. And so that's a lot of fun for me. Um, I'm very involved in real estate in uh, with my partners, and uh, we're very active, and I enjoy that very much. Um what else? Well, I was going to ask you about the... I know there's some other things. But. Well, I, I was going to ask you whether you were still involved in any way with sports, uh, professional sports in Phoenix, uh, what, either through... Uh, I mean, you, you got a lot of that started. I just... Uh, have you dropped out on that? No, I, I am not affiliated with the Suns or the uh, Diamondbacks. Okay. Um, they've gone their their way, and I've gone mine. I, I pull for them. Um I want them to be successful. And, uh, you know, when you give birth to a franchise, and all I've ever done is been, been involved in startups, mm-hmm. originally with the Chicago Bulls, then the Phoenix Suns, uh, the WNBA, uh, the Diamondbacks, indoor soccer, um, indoor uh, tennis, I mean, uh, arena football. When you start up all those things, you have a, you have a strong feeling toward all those franchises, and you, you pull for them. Do you uh, have any changes that you would make basketball-wise in the rules as they currently stand? I'm, I guess I'm talking NBA. Do you, anything that you want to, would you want to change? You know, 20 years ago, I was very involved in, in a massive overhaul of, of many of the, uh, the rules, but it, it was necessitated at the time. It, we really had to do some things. Um, today, no one could have gathered or pro, uh, projected that the three-point shot would be such a dominant part of the game. Um, you know, when you see guys coming down the court on, on a fast break and pulling up, taking threes, that says it all. Yes, it does. And so I think that aspect of the game needs to be addressed. How? Um uh, well, that's a good good question. Um, you know, there's been conversation about extending the uh, the line to make it more difficult, and therefore there would be less attempts. Um, there there are ways that you can affect the game and the flow of the game, and I think it's important. Basketball is such a great game; it's the best, and it's at its best when there's it's free flowing. It's like poetry in motion. And when you see things that stop that kind of poetry, you have to address it. But it's hard to get people to change. The only way we changed the rules 25 years ago is that David Stern, the commissioner, said, Jerry, do what you think needs to be done. I, I appointed a committee, and we literally just changed the rules and, and advised everyone how what we were doing after the fact. You know, today it's like uh, it's a big deal to get something changed. 
and you have to go through a lot of committees and sometimes you just have to take the bull by the horns and do what's necessary. Talking with uh, Jerry Colangelo, you mentioned Brad Underwood by name a little bit earlier and the job he's done, which uh, indicates to me that, uh, and not surprisingly, that you followed the U of I basketball program very closely. Your thoughts on getting it back to where it needs to be, and uh, that is what Brad has talked about. Well, this past year, you know, they had a great shot uh, to possibly even, you know, get to the finals, maybe win it. So they're they're in contention. They were they were right there knocking. And you know, in in the NCAA tournament, uh, so many things happen. It's it's obvious. You know, low seeds, high seeds, um, and and things don't work out exactly as you had you know contemplated or hoped for, etc. But I would say Brad has done um, a tremendous job. I remember being in Champaign the day of his first practice, uh, that's four years ago, I guess. Um, and I was so impressed with the way he conducted that practice. And I was sitting with Manny Jackson, another former teammate of mine at Illinois. And we both concurred, you know, this guy's going to do a great job. Um, he's got it. He, he, he's got it. And, uh, so to see the progress that's been made and I'm sure will continue to be made, it's not surprising. Well, here, here's my concern. When you when you came to the University of Illinois, Dave Downey, Bill Small, you guy, all of you remained so closely attached to the University of Illinois. I don't see that attachment at many universities now by the players. They seem to come and go, and the problem is, I, you know, there's there's no reunions anymore. It's just like uh, there's they're 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 here and they're gone, and we just keep going forward, but. Uh, Loyalty is my biggest concern. What are your thoughts about loyalty? Florida, I think that's a great point. Um, you know, when, when guys are only around for a year, two years, they come and go. Now they could transfer any time, you know, through the portal. Um, how do you build that kind of uh, camaraderie? How do you build it? It's hard. That's a big, big challenge. That's where I would say, you know, if people could get back to I love I love Gonzaga's um, methodology by way of example. Why has Mark Few been as successful as he's been? I've known Mark for many years. Have great respect for him. He doesn't go after the top guys. He gets like a second tier of the top guys, and then he supplements them with foreign players, international players, and usually his players stay there for two or three years. Mm -hmm. The good ones, really good ones. So they develop a big part of his program is developing the players who aren't top 10 or top 15. Um, maybe they're in the top 30 or 40. Um, so you need time. Coaches need time with players to develop them. If they don't have that shot, then they're going to continue to come and go. And, and then there are some um, ramifications accordingly. Well, Jerry, we're going to let you go. We really appreciate you being on with us, but I want you to explain one more time uh, what's going to happen this late summer in July when you bring these uh, players together. How many players will you have, and uh, where are you going to practice in Vegas? Is that right, a couple of uh, weeks before you go to the Olympics in Tokyo? That's correct. That's uh, Yes, we go to camp July 4th. We'll be there through the 18th. On the 19th, we leave for Tokyo. 
we will not select our roster of 12 until as late as we can make it sometime in July. So we may be in camp with more than 12, uh-huh. uh, but eventually we're at 12. We may have to wait for a few players, conceivably, who are still playing in the playoffs, the finals, and there's a conflict. And is is uh, Grant Hill going to be working with you in this? I mean, are you you're still in charge through through this summer, right? Yes, and yes. Uh, Grant will be with me, kind of following me in Vegas. He will not be in uh, Tokyo um, again because of the cutback on credentials. Um, so it's going to be a lonely time in Tokyo, but we're there for one reason, and that's to to bring back another gold medal. We may try to call you again in early July and get an update from you, Jerry, if you're not too busy. Sure. So we appreciate you being on with us this morning. Thank you very All right, much. Great to be with you. Thanks, Jerry. You take care. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Jerry Colangelo with us. We need to take a break at 1021. We'll do that and be back with more after this. 1023, Illini Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly. Chugging along till. 11 o'clock. Phone line is open right now if you'd like to jump in here before we uh, connect in Spokane, Washington with Roger Powell Jr. coming up here in a few minutes. 217-356-9397 is the number. We covered a lot of ground this morning, but uh, we'd be happy to chat with you. You've got some mock draft. You like speculations? I do. Oh, yes. (laughs) Well, Well. (laughs) we wouldn't have a show without (laughs) without that. (laughs) You know, um, the NBA draft uh, is going to be um, July the 29th. A lot of stuff's going to happen between now and then. Um, I saw Sam Vecini's latest mock draft, and he seems to be the he seems to have the inside information. He uh, did not have Kofi among the top 60. He did go to 100, and Kofi was ranked number 87. I'm sure he's a better basketball player than that, but he just doesn't seem to fit into what the NBA scouts want and uh, and general managers and coaches. I mean, they've they've made it pretty clear that uh, this is no longer a center's game; it's a guard's game, and and you see jump shooting that is beyond belief in the NBA right now. Io is number 23 in his uh, latest mock draft. Uh, an interesting uh, name for me, and well. Uh, A.J. Liddell, E.J. Liddell, has indicated that he's going to look into the into the NBA draft. I mean, he's, he's considering it. He's put his name in, let's put it that way. But he's not necessarily pulling out of Ohio State either. He's going to keep his options open, which, uh, by the way, Fraser is doing. Right. Fraser is turning, maybe turning. He's looking into the pro possibilities, but he's hiring an agent that is approved by the NCAA, which allows him to come back and play for Illinois or play for Florida or play for whoever he wants because he's in the, he'd be in the portal and he could go anywhere he wants. But I think E.J. Liddell is so important, and I, here's why I'm, the only reason I'm bringing it up. He's not coming back to Ohio State unless they get a center because he doesn't want to play center again at his size. He's, he sees himself – as an NBA player someday, and not at center. And so I think the key for Ohio State right now is to get a center so they can influence uh, him to come back, because otherwise he's liable to go somewhere else. And he just doesn't want to play center again, and I can understand it. Well, you know that uh, they're searching the portal for just that guy. Oh, yeah. And I wonder about Miles Johnson, uh, who uh, 
is uh, leaving Rutgers. He's going to UCLA. Is that right? Is that the guy? I think I, oh, I think he's I going. I haven't seen to, that. I, I get the Rutgers guys a little mixed up, but one of I think it's him. Okay. That, that, uh, he said he's going to go to UCLA. So. Uh, well, there's there these guys in the portal are making decisions right now. And I'm not keeping up with all of them, I guess. But uh, the other guy that's very interesting in in the in the Big Ten for the future of of uh, Iowa. They know they've lost Garza. The key is that they don't lose Wieskamp. Mm-hmm. And Wieskamp is, is not listed in the top group. Uh, I mean, he's not going to be in a first-round draft pick, but he might be a second-round draft pick. And they've already lost Nunji. He's, he's made a decision to leave. So they're hurting because uh, I don't think Bohannon's going to be back. And, of course, we know Garza's not going to be back. So Iowa's basketball situation is a little bit shaky right now. Of course, they've got two McCaffreys. Or three, if you count the coach. but uh, and, and they're good players. Both of them are good players, but they need to do something about their center situation uh, to replace Garza and Nunji. Other basketball news this week. Arizona parted ways with Sean Miller. Sure did. Finally. So what are you writing about tomorrow? <laughs> you know, don't you? I do know. <laughs> well, Something I, along the, the coaching lines in yeah, college well, basketball. Yeah, well, I think that uh, – I think when you have 12 major schools, and these are really major schools that are all at some point in the, uh, have have been, uh, they have had infractions and and the NCAA has has handed down penalties, or not penalties, they've handled down, they're investigating. And so right now, I, you know, when people come up with this question, I wonder why Kansas was a little down this year. I wonder why Arizona was down. I wonder why, South Carolina wasn't so good. If you start listing the schools that are on probation, you'll see why, because players aren't going to those schools because at the time they're making the decision, they don't know whether those schools are going to be in the NCAA tournament or not. And they're in the same boat right now because surely in the next year we'll have some more decisions made. But the, 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 the strange part for me is that they're not they're, – they're just uh, – they're, they're so slow in – in uh, finalizing these situations. 1028, let's go to the phones and say good morning to uh, Gary in Urbana. What's up, Gary? Yeah, you know, it's interesting when you talk about all the people that are going to get drafted and in the draft or so forth. I think we got to talk something about That means somebody's got to be leaving. I mean, if they keep drafting all these players every year, there's a lot of players then that are going to get lose their jobs, Right. Well, it depends on who's the best, the guys coming in or the guys that are already there. Right. But, I mean, if they keep doing that, somebody's got to be gone because you've got a roster limit, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. But they, yeah. but the one thing they can do now that they, they couldn't do a few years ago is they're all in, uh, associated with a, with a G League team. Every NBA team has a G League team that they can send their players down to. In other yeah, words, if you're the 13th or 14th or 15th guy, you're going to wind up being in the G League or else you're going to go to Europe or somewhere else to play. Right. I mean, because if you're playing, you're saying, oh, geez, they're going to draft all these guys. I'm mediocre. I'm probably out of here. There were, I'm, I'm reading, and, and again, this I, I'm sure I picked this up on Twitter or something that may not be official, but I, I read where 200 players who elected last year, there were 200 players who elected last year to go into the portal who never found a place to play. Mm, interesting. And when, and when you know we've got 1,200 in the portal right now, uh, are all of them going to land or not? How many, 
how many players do they, you know, of the guys that said they were going to go pro, how many pro, how many players did they take to go pro? Do you know that? In, in like last year out of college, how many? Did I they can't take? tell you the number, but I will tell you that first and second round draft, nearly all the second round selections uh, hooked on. So you've got sixty players. Uh, that's thirty and thirty. And okay. there were a few others undrafted who managed to hook on some way, but not with the NBA necessarily, but probably with the G League. Okay, so basically you're looking at 60 guys going into the pros. Yeah, yeah if, all, if, all, if all 30 in the second uh, round are signed, which they aren't necessarily. Okay. But, but if you've got a guaranteed contract if you're in the first 30, that's the main thing. If you, if you fall outside the – the top 30, uh, you're going to be like Garza. He's just going to be looking around for somebody to hook on with. Okay. All right. Thanks. Thank you, Gary. Let's uh, stay in Urbana and uh, bring in Alan real quick. Go ahead, Alan. Hi. With all the talk about the portal and kids transferring, I'm wondering, are we not entering an era where you're going to be constantly uh, recruited even once you're out of school? Another school will come in and say, hey, if you transfer, you know, you'll start here and you'll get more playing time. There's no question that, uh, that a lot of the people in the portal already have been contacted. That's, it's, that's an absolute certainty. But they, all, they can okay. do it by going through coaches. You can go through AAU coaches. You can go through parents. You can go through lawyers, uh, whoever might be connected with that player. They all know. Many of these players, before they go into the portal, know where they're going. So, so is that not true? I mean, we're, it's a constant recruiting thing. Even once you're assigned at a school, you're constantly recruited by everybody else who wants you. Yeah. No, no doubt. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yep, we appreciate uh, the call. We need to take a break at uh, 1032 here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We'll do that and be back with more after this. Stay with us. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I like fellow Saturday Sports Talk moving up on 1035. We're heading towards 11 o'clock. Lauren Tate and yours truly, Steve Kelly. Happy to welcome to the program our friend Roger Powell, Jr., assistant coach at Gonzaga. Roger, good morning. How are you, sir? Hey, good morning. How are you guys doing? We're hanging in there, and I want you to know, you've probably heard this before, but uh, there were a lot of people in this part of the country, rooting for the Zags because you're on the staff there. And uh, what a great season you had. It didn't end the way you wanted, but uh, it had to be a great thrill for you. Man, you know, I was I was just <clears throat> excited about the year, um, you know, being able to play basketball, uh, you know, during this pandemic. Last year, the uh, tournament being canceled and, you know, just being able to play basketball, you know, it was just a joy for me and, and our staff and our players. And, and then, to, you know, to be 31 and, oh, going into the national championship game, I mean, that was, that was a fun ride. Well, you had another ride not too long ago, 16 years ago, where you were 37-1 and one going into the national championship game. That didn't end the way you wanted either. But there was a couple of uh, pretty, um, pretty important uh, experiences that you have gone through. No, man, they were incredible, man. You know, I'm just so thankful to God that, you know, I was able to be a part of, you know, such special teams. And, um, you know, it's just these are uh, once-in-a-lifetime experiences, you know, when you think about college basketball and just, 
you know, every year there's only two teams who can play in the championship game. And, um, you know, it's just I've been very fortunate to be a part of two of those special teams. Hey, Roger, this is Lauren. Good to hear from you. Uh, tell us, if you could do it over again, what would you do different against that Baylor team? <laughs> they really looked dominant in that game. You know, Baylor's a special team. It's funny because, like, I'm so connected to Scott Drew. I mean, I coached for Bryce Drew for – we were together for eight years, so I'm really close to the family. Kind of, in a way, I'm kind of part of that coaching tree, man. Homer Drew was a mentor of mine, and, and Scott and I would always talk, and they would give me advice and on, on all kinds of things. So, you know, it was weird playing against them for the championship game, you know, considering we were so close. But, you know, to be honest, I mean, they're good. They're really good. Um, you know, I, 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 I do believe uh, our UCLA game, um, before we played them was, was very emotional up and down yep. over time. And, you know, we didn't get back, we didn't get back home until like, you know, very, very, you know, late at night and our guys were exhausted because we exerted exert so much energy. And, and I just believe, you know, we came out and began the game. I don't think we had that pop that, that we've, that we've had all year. Um, and with that being said, to their credit, I mean, they, they were they were our Achilles heel, man. They they had a bunch of guards that can make tough shots, they could score one on one, and they're really physical. and And I think it, 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 they got they got up early on us, and and we just couldn't couldn't quite you know recover from that you know that 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 slow start. And you know I, I thought during the game and early in the second half we started having a couple runs, and we would you know you just feel that we we're going to kind of go on that run that we're used to going on and get back in the game. But then you know man, they, those, those guards would come down and make you know, make a tough three here and there, and it's just like they, they did a great job. So, you know, I mean, hey, you know, it's, it was one game out of, you know, 32 that we played this year that, you know, that team got the best of us. Well, Roger, uh, tell us about your team now. How many uh, players will be gone? How many are going to be going into the draft? Uh, I, I'm sure that Suggs is going to – there's a chance, I guess. Maybe he's going to be close to the number one pick, isn't he? No. Yeah, yeah, I think he will. Um, I hope so. I mean, I think he's – what he did here in one year and how much he's improved and how much he grew, not just as a player but as a young man. I mean, uh, I think any franchise would want to have someone like that to just see the growth. And then, I mean, we won this year, you know. I mean, yeah, we lost the championship game. I get it. But we won a lot of games, and he was a major part of that. And, you know, to come in as a freshman point guard and lead your team to that many victories is huge. It's huge. So I'm, 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 I'm hoping that he's the number one pick. But hey, if you're number one, two, or three, it mean, doesn't matter. He's still gonna, he's gonna play in the NBA, and I think have a great career. How many others do you see uh, going into the NBA off this team? Uh, you know, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm to be honest, I'm, I'm focused on, um, you know, making sure that, you know, we're doing a good job and, and getting some pieces that we have, uh, you know, and, and, and making sure these guys are resting because they had such a long, a long season. Um, I know Joel EIE uh, yesterday you know, said that he was going to go to the NBA and, mm-hmm. and he deserves it. And he's been great for us. And he's, uh, you know, he, he's, 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 he's a special kid. And, and, and I think he has a chance to, to, to get drafted. So I know he, he's gone. And, and other than that, I mean, you know, Corey Kispert, you know, I think he's going to be a you know, lottery pick. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's earned it, you know, and, 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 and those are the guys that, that I see going in draft and, and being in the NBA next year. Well, I'll tell you what, Timmy's a terrific center. I mean, in college, I don't know where he fits in the NBA, but, boy, those moves that he made against UCLA kind of kept you alive, didn't they? Yeah, he's a special player, man. And I definitely think he's an NBA player, but, 
you know, he has, he has, you know, he has some more time. Hopefully, he will come back, and depending on kind of the decision he has to make with his family and what makes the most sense for him. But you know, the the the, the beauty of it is Gonzaga has done a really good job with with guys that you know maybe are fringe first round, early second round drafty picks and they come back for another year and they just continue to get better. I mean, the, the jump that he made from his freshman year to his sophomore year has been huge. And I, and I think he continue to get better. So, you know, he'll make a decision and hopefully he's back and, and he's, he's a bona fide first round pick the following year, but you know, he has to make a decision for him and his family. And, and, um, and, and that's that. Talking to Roger Powell Jr. What's your take on the current situation in the transfer portal where that number is over 1200 and rising every day how do you guys at gonzaga uh, attack that uh i mean i mean we attack it the best way we can you know i mean we've 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 been fortunate to you know you know do well with transfers you know know, guys make a decision they want to make a make a move and you know we we've had we've had some really good transfers here uh over the years and um so you know we look at it and just you know Kids are available. I mean, just like every other coach in college basketball, you you, you try to see if there's there's a, there's a player or two that you know can can solve some problems for you uh, when they make a decision to leave wherever they were before. So you're liking it out there in uh, Spokane? Oh man, love it, love it. I mean, I, it's 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 a special place, and you know, I think a lot of people are always. You know, what is it different? What, what makes Gonzaga different? And it's I think it's, it's everything, man. It's the city. Obviously, it's coach Coach Few. I think is one of the best coach college basketball coaches of all time. It's it's um you know it's our culture. It's the staff I work with. It's the players, the past players, you know, and and and, and the guys on our team. It's it's a special place. And I mean, I've been there for two years, and I believe in two years we're like sixty three and three, which is oh man, pretty 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 crazy. <laughs> uh, what's Tommy Lloyd going to do? Is is he going to get that Arizona job? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm locked into, you know, Gonzaga basketball, and, you know, I, I don't, I don't, um, I don't really pay attention to all the Twitter stuff and what's going on, all the chatter. I mean, that's, I mean, I wait until I see what, what's happening, you know. But he's but been I, a big I'm guy for Gonzaga, hasn't he? I mean, his recruiting overseas has been really special. He's a great coach. He's a great coach, man, and we have a great relationship and. He's done a he's done a great job here, and um, you know, like I said, it's it, 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 Gonzaga is special because the staff is special, and um, you know, and Coach Few is special. So it, it'd be a credit if you know, hey man, he he does get an opportunity like that. I mean, he deserves it. Got a caller that um, is calling in from Muhammad that has a question for Roger Powell Jr. Tom, go ahead, you're on the air. Yeah, how are you guys this morning? Good. Okay, I got one question for Roger. Uh, Roger, uh, if Gonzaga played in the Big Ten in basketball, don't you figure they'd finish in about fourth place in the standing? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what, man? I, 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 no, I, <laughs> you got a doubter there, Roger. You got a doubter. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, it's a great question. You know, I, I do think that. You know, one of the things that we do a good job of here is scheduling um, some of the the best teams in the non in the non conference, and and I, I think this year we we beat like four of our first five games in non conference were like top twenty teams, and and I think that I think over the year I think that shows 
um, you know, that we can compete at a high level. And if we're in the Big Ten or whatever conference, you know, SEC, Pac-12, I think I think we we try to we try to schedule accordingly and just to you know give ourselves the best chance to play against some of those top teams. And 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 unfortunately, we you know we've been winning those games, and I, and I think that helps us definitely down the stretch in the tournament and helps us in seeding because you know we 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 do play top teams and we and we and we don't we don't shy away from top teams that's one thing that i love about coach few he wants to play the best well one of these days a lot of illinois fans will be happy to hear that roger Powell is a head coach somewhere what uh what are you thinking in that regard you know i i just finished 10 years and you know i've always said to myself you know 10 years was kind of like you know the amount of years i want to be an assistant before i would you know, try to take a take over a program, and and I've had some opportunities over over my ten year span, but I just feel like you know the places I've coached, the coaches I've coached for, you know, the games I've played in, coached in. I think now I'm at a place where I will feel comfortable if the right opportunity presented itself. But you know, I'm not in a rush, and and, and I don't take that, I don't take leading a program lightly. Um, so you know, I want to make sure I continue to improve and learn and grow, and and when the opportunity. It presents itself that I feel like is a great place for my family. And, you know, I think I could do a good job and represent that university well. Like, I'll do it. And I definitely think it's sooner than later. Um, you know, I'm still young and I'm I'm still very excited about the possibility. But, yeah, I'm, I'm learning a ton and I'm enjoying my time here in, in Spokane with, with Coach Few and his ags. One of the developments uh, this year in, in coaching has been the number of black coaches who have been hired by major universities, Roger, and Indiana, Minnesota, and uh, Penn State have all done so in the Big Ten, as well as North Carolina and Loyola and DePaul and Wichita State and Fordham. I'm rattling off some here, and it's just uh, I think there's been a breakthrough there. What's your thought about that? Oh, I think it's great. I mean, and I think these guys that are being hired are, are, are qualified and they're good coaches, and I think these athletic directors and these these presidents are you know they're they're trying to find the best guy for the job and and um you know and thankfully you know now you know um you know there's some African American coaches get getting opportunities I mean I think it's great um but I but I I don't think that these programs are just hiring guys because they're African American I think they're hiring qualified coaches and and um you know I think there are a lot of qualified African American coaches out there that can do a good job and and it's awesome to see those those uh those opportunities happening well you know in the past it always seemed like roger that they were just switching around they would be this head coach would go to that be go to this place and that former head coach would go here but this most of these uh, names that have come up here particularly at, at the schools i just mentioned uh indiana minnesota and penn state they've taken assistant coaches uh, and and uh of course now at indiana uh when you hire woodson he he was he had been a head coach in the nba but he was an assistant coach at the time but most of the guys they've been picking out of the assistant coaching ranks, which has got to be encouraging to you, I would think. Oh, it is. It is. And, and you know, I, and I don't really, I mean, I'm, I'm not one to, you know, pay attention to hires and, 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 think, it, and think about it too much. You know, I, I'm kind of a, a guy that's locked into to where I'm at. And, and, you know, when it's a right opportunity for me, whether I'm a head coach or an assistant coach, like I think I'll I'll have a great chance to get that job and and um you know it's good to see assistants getting jobs but I know some programs want to hire coaches who have head coaching experience so I think it just varies on what the program is looking for and 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 I believe you know when that time comes you know I've been an assistant at some great places for some great coaches 
I believe that, you know, the university and their athletic director will, will give me a shot. Roger, good to catch up with you. We appreciate you taking time for us. And uh, as I mentioned uh, at the beginning, a lot of folks were following uh, the Zags all season long, knowing that uh, you were involved in that. And uh, thanks for uh, chatting with us. We appreciate it very much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Roger. And, and by the way, we didn't ask you which was the better team, 2005 or this team. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, thanks for not asking me that one, man. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. All right, thank you. You bet. Roger Powell with us. Roger Powell Jr. still involved with his ministry work as well, the Reverend. 1048, we'll take a break. Be back with more. We've still got uh, the Masters to talk about, Lauren. We haven't done that yet. We'll do that after this. Mm-hmm. 10.53, heading towards 11 o'clock. I like the bus Saturday Sports Talk. If you have anything on your mind, I'd suggest you make that call right now. 217-356-9397 is the number as we head down the home stretch. The Masters underway in round three. I've watched... Some, not a whole lot. I'm looking forward to watching it uh, today and tomorrow, where the uh, lead is held there by Justin Rose, but there's a lot of folks knocking on his oh, door. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This would be a lot of changes. Boy, How would you like to putt those greens? Those greens are so fast. I mean, it's just it's almost like you're putting on ice. And they're hard to keep the ball on the green once you're on the green. Well, been, there have been a couple putts on the green that went in the water, putts that went off the green and into the water. Right. And a lot of guys are putting from off the green because if you try to chip onto that, you might get the same result yeah. of it going off the green. But uh, on the other hand... It borders on unfair. It does. I say it borders. I'm not saying you know it's fair for one as it is the other. But boy, this is really tough. Justin Rose, seven under par, and he was seven under on the first day. Mm-hmm. Yesterday he played even he par. He bounced right. back yesterday after a slow start. Yep. And um, Jordan Spieth, who won last week in Texas, is two shots back. You like Justin Thomas. I like Thomas and Spieth, both. I think they're, they're going to be in the final pairing. Thomas is How's that for a guess? <laughs> in a group of a bunch of guys that are three shots back at minus four, including Tony Finau and uh, some other ones as well. So it'll be fun. Uh, I enjoy watching that. There's not a... And I've never been there. That's one of the things on my bucket list. I've never been to Augusta, but uh, I want to do it sometime. But there's not a blade of grass out of place, <laughs> I'm told, when you see it in person. Although the greens don't look quite right this year. They're not as green as the rest of the course. Did you notice mm-hmm. that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I noticed it a couple of days ago. I don't know if it's true. I suppose it. Uh, I don't know if they cut them that short to make them fast, that yeah, they lost a little yeah, bit of their yeah. their color. But uh, it'll be exciting either way. And like you said, everybody's playing the same golf course. So switch to baseball a little bit. And um, your thoughts on the first week of the season, first seven games, eight games well, for the, the, the three local teams. And I mentioned the Cardinals are five and two, the Cubs are four and three, the Sox are four and four. Steve, we just we talk about the baseball teams, and you just need to go right straight into the bullpen because mo- now we saw a complete game of Lance Lynn for the White Sox the other day. A complete game, Steve, nine innings, mm-hmm. and we also saw a no hitter yesterday. Uh, but uh, in the most, for the most part, pitchers, are, even when they pitch effectively, are coming out after five or six innings, which means that 
you've got at least three innings of bullpen that you must have day after day after day. And I think the Cardinals are in good shape that way. I think that how you how you handle those last three innings will determine whether you're going to be successful this season or not. The no-hitter last night we mentioned off the top of the show was late out west, San Diego, Joe Musgrove through the first no-hitter in Padres history. Yep. In their 52-year history, they played 8,205 games as a franchise. And that was only the second longest streak before the franchise before a franchise first no-hitter. The first was the Phillies. Phillies. <laughs> it went from 1904 to <laughs> 1968 or something like that. Yeah, started but, uh, in 19- I they, can't remember 1904 very well. No. Maybe it was 1906. You got that? <laughs> <laughs> I got that, yeah. <laughs> But uh, Cardinals play the Brewers at 115. Of All these are weather permitting because I'm not sure what the weather looks like uh, throughout much of the Midwest. But uh, we have a chance of rain. And the Illinois baseball game today has been moved from 1 o'clock over in Bloomington, Indiana, to 5 o'clock. They had a lightning delay in that game last night. We know how the lightning delays go in a ball game. Every time you see a bolt of lightning, it's another 30 minutes before... Yep. Uh, you get to even think about playing again, so that can take a while. But number 24, Indiana, beat the Illini 6-4 to last night, and they'll play again today. Illinois has just given up too many runs on a consistent basis, and that all goes back to the pitching. And there again, uh, the bullpen has not been very effective for the Illini. So back to basketball, you've got Io, you've got Georgie, and you've got uh, Trent Frazier, who have all declared mm-hmm. with uh, – it's pretty much a done deal, obviously, that Io is going to be a multimillionaire before too long, and Georgie's going to play in Europe somewhere. Trent Frazier at least left the door cracked. Yep. He's hiring an agent, but yep. an NCAA-approved agent, which I guess means he doesn't get any money right now for anything. Um, so he remains uh, an amateur if he decides to come back or transfer somewhere else. Well, I, I think that the, this is going to take all summer for us to know. First of all, Illinois cannot be, and this is a broad statement, Illinois cannot be as successful next year unless Kofi comes back. There just isn't another center you're going to find who's even close to him, I don't think, right now, uh, at this juncture. Uh, now, that doesn't mean that something could, something could happen on the portal. There are certainly uh, some good players out there. But uh, Kofi's going to keep you waiting so long. Nobody, nobody's going to come to Illinois and play center with the idea of playing center or starting if Kofi is still here. So as long as he were, that's uncertain, that's going to leave an, a lot of uncertainty with the, with the recruiting. Mr. Tate, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks to our guests, Brad Underwood, Barry Alvarez, Jim Heffernan, Jerry Colangelo, and Roger Powell, Jr., Hope you enjoyed those conversations right here on News Talk 1400 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. This is Steve Kelly. Have a good weekend.